All right, let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you, you like bread? You just, you like bread. You like, okay, because listen, I've got some Italian in me, and if you've got any Italian in you, you just love bread. And I, I know... I know bread is it's it's not good for a low carb diet. I know it's it's not part of a gluten free diet, but I can't help it. I just I love bread. If my wife can't find me in the grocery store, I'm usually where the bread is. It's like the minute you walk in the door and you smell it, and it's just like I'm in a trance, and I just walk right over where the fresh bread is. And uh, I, one of my one of my really dearest memories is my dad and I when we were younger. I grew up in Arundaquite, and we loved to go to Rubino's Italian Deli, and you'd walk in there, and they'd have the, you know, the big cheeses just hanging from the ceiling. It was like Disney World for me, really. I mean, so we'd walk in there, and we'd get some capicola, and we'd get some fresh bread, and it was just great childhood memories. My, my grandmother, Gerace, always got Petrillo's bread, and when I would come over, she'd make me toast and sandwiches, and... Okay, I gotta stop now. I'm just now. I'm, I'm just hungry. Uh, we are. We are. We are looking into these statements that Jesus has made, and and that John has recorded for us in the book of John and the Gospel of John. And and Jesus makes these I am statements, and and these these are statements about Himself, who He is, what His purpose is. And the statement I want to look at today is Jesus says. I am the bread of life. And, and this is an incredible statement that he makes about himself. And, 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 and why did he say, you know, I am the bread of life? What, what, what are these I am statements? Why are they so important? What, what are they saying about the person of Christ? And I want you to understand something about bread, specifically even in, in the first century. We understand that bread was basically a staple of, of life. It, it, it kept people alive. It was something that was, was part of the everyday um, diet. I remember traveling to Haiti some years ago um, and visiting a feeding program for children through the Convoy of Hope ministry. And basically, the, the, the staple food for these children that were part of this feeding program was rice, rice and beans. I mean, this basically kept them nourished. It, it gave them something to eat. Most kids, if they got one meal a day, that was a lot. Sometimes they would eat every other day. And this feeding program helped children to at least have a meal every single day. And they would travel to their schools and bring rice and beans. And, and so kids were able to eat every day. But that was a staple. And so what Jesus says here in John 6.35, Jesus says this, to those that were listening, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And so what's amazing and what's so interesting about this statement is what just happened before he makes this statement and what happens after this statement. And what Jesus does is he makes this statement the day after the feeding or the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And, and, that, and that number could have been as many as 20,000, including women and children. And so basically, if you look at this story, um, Jesus feeds this 20,000 people with basically a little boy's lunchable. And so this little boy comes and he's asking his disciples, hey, how are we going to feed them? They're like, we have no idea. There's all these people. What are we going to do? And this little boy comes with five loaves of Petrillo's bread and, and two fish. And, and basically the fish were probably most likely dried fish, like dried sardines. And, and so he comes and, and, and then the crowds start to follow Jesus and, and he's feeding them. His popularity is, is, is swelling. And if you look at John chapter nine, 
It's a very, or John chapter 6, it's a very exciting chapter, and then it's a very sad chapter as you look at the end of it, because Jesus exposes the true motives of why people are following him. So he feeds all these people. Now Jesus' popularity is swelling, and people are following him. And so the next day, the crowds follow Jesus to Capernaum. And at this point, Jesus exposes their true motives of why they're following him. And he tells them that they're seeking him because of miracles, of the feeding of all the people, and what he can do for them. But they really weren't seeking him and wanting to know more about him personally. They just like the material benefits that they were receiving from Jesus. And then Jesus makes this statement. So on, on the heels of, of, of making this statement that he is the bread of life, Jesus makes this statement in John chapter 6. And I want to read it for you in verses 27 through 33. You can follow along in your Bibles if you want or look up at the screens. But John 6, 27 through 33. And here's what Jesus makes. And, and he tells them, um, you know, he's exposing what they're doing. He's telling them, listen, you're following me because I'm feeding you. I just did this, you know, this, this wonderful miracle for you. And then he begins to expose their motives and shows them the real reason why they're following him. And look at verse 33 there. He says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said, sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. And then Jesus declares to them, I'm the bread of life, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I've told you these things that that you may still, uh, but you still do not believe in me. And so he he continues to go on. He goes, I told you these things, you still don't believe me, and all the Father gives me, me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. And so here we see these people, they're, they're, they're confused. They're like, okay, why are we following you? I want you to back up there to verse 27, because I want to read this, because here's something that I think is really important for us to, for us to understand. They're following him because of, of what he can give them. And he says in verse 27, Do not work for food which spoils, but for food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked him, what must we do in the works that God requires? And then Jesus answers them and says, the work that God requires is this, is to believe in the one whom he sent. And so they ask him, what miraculous sign will you give us that we may see and believe in you? What will you do? For our forefathers ate manna in the desert. As it was written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus says to them, I tell you the truth, it's not Moses who has given you this bread from heaven, but it's my father who gives you true bread from heaven. For, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives this to the world. And then, and then Jesus makes his great declaration of being the bread of life. So what's going, what's going on in this conversation? Because this is really interesting. The, 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 they asked Jesus, what sign would you give us so that we believe? Now, Jesus just gets done feeding them, does this great miracle, and then they ask him, what sign are you going to give us so we believe? Jesus, I can't imagine what's going on in Jesus' head. He's thinking, I just fed 20,000 people with a little boy's Lunchable. Are you kidding me? You're asking me for a sign now that you might believe? And so then they tell Jesus, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. So let me give you a little background here. When Moses led Israel out of Egyptian bondage, 
They went into the desert. There was no food. There was no water. There was no bathrooms. There was nothing. It was arid. They were completely dependent on God and the sufficiency of God and the provision of God to take care of them. There were no bathrooms. There was nothing there. And so here God leads all the children of Israel, Israel, Israelites into uh, the desert and there's nothing there. And so what God does is he sustains their life with this miracle bread from heaven. And in fact, the Hebrew translation manna literally means what is it? They didn't even know what it was. It was just this stuff that they would collect in, in, in the in the in the in the midst of the morning. They would come and they would collect this bread, and then they would just have enough for a day. And God says, "Don't hoard it. Don't keep it for another day, because if you do, it will spoil. It will rot. It won't be good. It will be filled with maggots the next day. The only day that you can keep it for yourself is on the Sabbath. And I don't want you to work. I want you to rest. I want you to glorify me, so the bread will maintain you even on the Sabbath. And so what's interesting here is we see this. We see see this, this, these people go, well, how are we going to eat? So God provides for them this, this manna. And so, um, and so this, this sustains their life. And so God sustains their life with this miracle bread from heaven. And so God gives them life and, and sustains them. And it's just this miracle of, of, of keeping them alive. And so when they're asked, what is this stuff? It basically means, what is it? Just, they didn't even know what it was. And I would ask the same question every time I bought my lunch at school, right? What is this? What, what kind of meat is this, right? How many of you can hide a lot of stuff under gravy? We tend to do that at our home sometimes. No, I'm just teasing. We have big knives and Kathleen knows how to use them. Okay, so we don't comment on food at our house. So, so here, here we are for the Israelites. They, they, they would have literally died without this manna. They would have all died without this miracle bread that they didn't know what it was. They would have died in the wilderness without it. So, so God provides for them in the desert. So the reason they bring up the Old Testament is for a couple reasons. They see Jesus as a prophet like Moses. And their expectation was this, that God would once again provide manna when the Messiah would come. Now, this is interesting. So they would say, okay, what sign are you going to show us? If you really are this Messiah that's come to rescue us, well, we understand that the Messiah is going to come and he's going to show us a miracle and will provide for us manna like Moses did for the Israelites in the wilderness. And then Jesus tells them, it wasn't Moses, catch this, it wasn't Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my father who gives you true bread from heaven. Now, verse 33 is pivotal because he says this, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now, this is huge. What Jesus is saying in this statement is that he is the ultimate manna of God. The manna in the desert only fed them for a day, and then it would, and then it would rot except for the Sabbath. See, here's the thing I want you to see. What they were looking for was this, and this is our problem today in, 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 in our relationship with God many times. 
here's what they were seeing. They were looking for Jesus just to meet their temporary needs. And Jesus was looking to meet their eternal needs. Jesus was actually coming to fix something eternal in their hearts and their lives. Jesus was actually coming to, to not just meet their temporary needs, but actually wanted to meet their eternal needs. You see, the, the, the manna only fed them for a day. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, I'm the man of God that's going to come, that's going to satisfy you forever. That's, that's going to fulfill all your needs. And we do the same thing. We run into this trap of looking for temporary things to fulfill eternal things that are in our hearts and our lives. So what do we do? We chase after things to fulfill these needs in our hearts and our lives. And what happens is we get bored with stuff, don't we? It's like the little kid at Christmas, right? He gets this toy and then he ends up playing with the box. Because the box would have been a lot cheaper than the toy that I bought you, right? And that's the proclivity of our heart. We chase after things that ultimately cannot satisfy us. Now, maybe for a moment or temporarily, they, they satisfy something within our lives. But then we go on searching for something else and something else to, to try to fulfill that. And then we get bored of that and then we switch here and we go there. And Jesus says, listen, I, I've come not just to satisfy some temporal things. So as we look in John chapter 6, Jesus' words get really hard. In fact, at the end of John chapter 6, Jesus' words get very hard. And many of his disciples actually leave him. Because they don't like the harshness or the reality of his words. That Jesus says, really, the only reason you're following me is for what I can do for you temporarily. He goes, that's not why I came. I didn't come just to satisfy your needs temporarily. I came to solve the biggest problem in your life, and it's a spiritual problem. It's a sin problem. And that's why I've come. And I want you to understand that. See, it's not... see. Here's, here's, here's where we can make mistakes in our lives. We, we look through physical eyes, through a physical lens many times in our lives. And we try to fix things through the physical that God can only fix spiritually. And so unless God does a work in our hearts and our lives, we will not see through spiritual eyes. And we'll try to fix things through our own motives. We'll try to, we'll try to do things that, 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 that try to solve problems, and then it just creates another problem. And Jesus says, unless I grab your heart and do a work from inside, things won't really change. And so that's why Jesus came. And he wanted the people to understand this. So what does the bread of life mean for each one of us? What does it mean for us here today? And so this is what I want to look at because this is what Jesus is telling them. Jesus is saying, listen, I am the fulfillment of the manna from heaven that kept the Israelites alive in the desert. I am the manna of God. I'm the one. I fulfill this very thing. The manna that kept you alive, I am the fulfillment of that. This is me I am the bread of life. So what does, what does Jesus making this statement do for every single one of us here today? And what does it mean for each of us here today? Well, first of all, I want you to see is that the bread of life gives us life. Just as the manna gave life to the Israelites in the desert, Jesus being the bread of life actually gives us life. Now, there's two Greek words. That when we look for the words of life, there's actually two Greek words. There's bios, which means biological life. And there's the other word that's zoe, which means the quality of life. The meaning for zoe actually means, it means full of life or joy. 
exhilaration. And so what Jesus does is he links himself as the bread of life that brings Zoe, that brings real life. Not, not, just, a, not, not, not just bios or biological life, but real life. The life that Jesus brings is the kind of life that is worth living. If you live in Webster, right, they're saying is it's a town that's worth living, right? Okay, I think Ontario is way better, but that's just me because I live here, right? It's, it's life worth living. That, that's what Jesus came. He says, I just didn't come to bring a life that just sustains you. Just so you can go through the mundaneness of life. I've actually to bring you a quality of life that brings joy and fullness of life. An exhilaration of life that you're not going to find in this world. So the life that Jesus brings is the kind of life that's worth living. It has meaning. It has purpose. Right? And, th- and so what Jesus says to them, I just don't want to feed you for a day. I want to feed you for eternity. I want to give you life and purpose and existence for why you're here, why I created you. And I've created you to glorify me that I can use you in this world to show other people. Listen, God brings new life and you don't have to be bamboozled by this world or the things of this world any longer. So this is what Jesus means when he says that he is the bread of life. Jesus doesn't want to give us bread that just makes us exist or bios. But he wants us to give us bread that makes us alive to the fullest. My life has meaning and purpose. I know why I exist. And that is to glorify God. My life takes on new meaning and new purpose. Man, that's the wonderful thing about following Jesus Christ is all of a sudden our life takes on a new purpose. I get it. I understand why you created me, God. And listen, you've, you've got to be able to answer these three questions in your life because every single person, one time or another, is going to answer or ask these questions in their mind. Why are we here? Why are we created? What, what's the origins of life? And we understand the book of Genesis that God created us. And then we have to understand is, why is the world in such a mess today? I mean, you can't turn on the news and see what's going on in our world today. To see what's happening in Syria and the refugees and what's going on all around the world. It, it should break our hearts to see what's going on. Why is that? It's because of sin. It's because man turns to his own ways. And when we turn to our own ways and we try to figure out our own way, what happens? It's evil. It's sinful. And so what's the answer? So we we know that we're created by God. We know that the, the world is messed up. And we see evil all around us. And we see the sinfulness all around us. And we see the sinfulness even in our own hearts and our own lives. And then we have to ask the question, how do we fix it? What's the answer? And here's the answer. We don't have the answer. We try to fix it ourselves. And how many know when we try to fix things ourselves, we make it way worse, right? And so, and so what happens is God, we, we try to figure it out ourselves. And so the answer is Christ. God sent his son. God himself came into this world to die for our sins, to take the penalty of our sins and to restore us and to redeem us And to bring us the life that was taken away because of sin. And so when Christ comes into our life, the Bible says that we are now a new creation. Behold, all things become new. And so when when Jesus comes in, he not only gives us life, but he gives us life more 
abundantly that all of a sudden the things in the world are not that great anymore. They, they lose their attractiveness because they don't hold a candle in comparison to what Christ has done for us. And he gives us life and he gives us eternal life and he saves us from our sins and he forgives us and he gives us a joy and a love for people that we never had before. Only that can come from God. He changes our lives. I remember as a teenager, when I came to Christ, at, just before I turned 16 years old, and I remember going into school the next day, it was on Wednesday that I received Christ as my Savior, and, and Christ has changed my heart. And I remember walking in the doors Thursday, I'm like, man, this ain't the same place anymore, right? It was just different. Why? Because God changed, well, what happened? Well, God changed my heart, and I, I, I like, man, I go, I want other people to know what I know about you, Jesus. He gave me a new purpose for my school. He gave me a new purpose for life. Man, listen, listen. There is nothing more exciting than when God changes your heart and your purpose, that your purpose isn't just to go to the rock quarry, right, and punch in and get yelled at by Mr. Slate, right? That, that, there's so much more than just growing older and just saying, you know, I just want to join a shuffleboard, you know, league in Florida somewhere, right? There's, that's all, by the way, I love shuffleboard. But anyways, there's so much more to life than just that. Do you realize as a Christian, you never retire? God's got a purpose and a plan to the day you die. Boy, I, I love when people get excited. That's what I love about uh, Ruth Brooks. She's in her 80s and she just loves the Lord. I mean, she, just, she wants more people to come to Jesus. That's how I want to live. I want to be excited about what God is doing in my life each and every day. And so he can take a mundane job and change it around and say, you know what? God, you give me a purpose and a reason for being here. I may not like the job or the way my boss treats me or other people, but you know what? You've got to be here for a reason. And it's to bring life to this place. And so if you live that way, your life begins to change. You wake up with new motivation, with a new purpose, with new goals in your life. Come on, people. This is what Christ has come for, not to make your life more mundane and boring. That's what people think when they come to the Lord. They think, well, he's going to take away all my joy and all my fun. No, just the opposite happens. He gives you something brand new that gives you something to reach out to other people. So... I spent way too much time on that point, but this is, I, I get excited because this is what it's all about. And here's, here's the second thing that, that the bread of life does. The bread of life comes to save us. The bread of life actually saves our lives. And so Jesus tells them, listen, the bread you ate in the desert could not ultimately save your lives because you would ultimately die or eventually die. The bread of life that I give you will give you eternal life. Don't settle. Listen to me. Don't settle for things that don't bring you life. That's the way you need to organize your lives. You look at the things that, listen, hobbies and everything else are fun and they're great and, you know, it's fine. But those things ultimately can't bring me life. And why do we look for those things that can't bring us life to bring us life? And that's why we're so miserable because those things can't bring us life. And so Jesus, look to the thing. I've come to give you life eternal, not just to satisfy your daily needs, but your eternal needs that every single person is searching for. I am that eternal bread that will give you eternal life. And here's the other thing I love about the bread of life. The third thing there I want you to see is the bread of life satisfies us. It satisfies our lives like nothing else can. I can remember 
going on a missions trip some years ago, and I forgot where we were, but it was hot. I can't remember. It was just hot every day. I can't remember what country we were in, but it was hot every day, and we forgot to bring the Gatorade, so all we had to do is, is drink water, and after a while, drinking water after two days, you're like, oh, i got to have something different. And I remember I, I was saying to myself, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere, and I'm like, man, I would pay $50 for an ice-cold Coca-Cola right now. I would... I would. I was going to say, I will pay. And I remember after a long day, we're hot, drinking water again, and no Gatorade, no nothing else to, to, to set up. And I go, man, I could just go. And I remember we were, went by this, this, this store, and it had Coca-Cola. I'm like, stop the van. I want to go in there. And, get, and it was like 50 cents. And that was like, you know, it was the glass bottle, and it was ice cold. And that was the most satisfying thing, right, at that moment. But guess what? The next day I wanted another one. It only satisfied me for that moment, right? And see, that, that's what life does. There are things that we strive for, and it's like, man, it just satisfies us just for that day. We spend our whole lives chasing things that don't ultimately satisfy us, and that's why we go from one thing to the next. And so Jesus says, listen, I want to fulfill the deepest needs that are in your life to the point to where you will never hunger or thirst again. And that's what he does as the bread of life. He fulfills those deepest needs. And the last thing I want you to see there is I love this about Jesus being the bread of life. Is that as the bread of life, he secures us. He secures our life. We are stable in him. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. In fact, in verse 37, Jesus says, whoever comes to me as the bread of life, I will never drive away. Isn't that a great, what, what a great picture there of Jesus just holding on to us. And Jesus, whoever comes to me, whoever comes to me, I want you to know that you are a whoever. Every single person in this place is a whoever. Listen, you may be, you may have been rejected. Isn't that the worst feeling in the world? You know, you think back to that first boyfriend or girlfriend that broke up with you, right? Worst feeling in the world. I remember in first grade, this girl broke up with me. Her name was Jeannie Hicks. So in love with her. And she broke up and she broke my heart. Been in therapy for that ever since. No, I'm just teasing. Um, you know, you just remember that, don't you? I remember from first grade, I remember that. You know, you just remember, remember that, that, that rejection or rejected at a job or by a friend or maybe it was a relationship. But here's what Jesus says. It says, the bread of life is for all who comes. And whoever comes, Jesus says, I will receive you. I'm going to take you in and I'm going to satisfy everything that you've been wanting in your life. But here, here's, here's the kicker. He says, whoever comes, he, he's not going to force his way into your life. He's not going to get you in a headlock. He's not going to get you into a Nelson, half full Nelson. He's not going to do those. He's not going to get you in a wrestling move. He says, whoever comes, I'm going to receive you for you to come. See, here's the picture I love to see in the wilderness. You've got all these people in the wilderness and they're destitute because there's nothing for them. Listen, God had to bring them to a place in their life where all they had was God. Their complete dependency was on God. Now, if you come to God and you say, God, I'm going to barter with you. I'll give you part of my life. God says, it's not going to work. I can't be a part owner of your life. But if you come to me completely in full and you lay your life down 
in front of me and give your life to me, I will satisfy every desire. But you, 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 can't, you, you can't barter with me. You can't, I can't have part of your life. I've got to have all your life. Your, your life will be miserable if you're walking the fence. And so it's the bread of life. He says, listen, all who come, whoever comes, I will receive you. And I want you to hear these words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 here. So I want you to hear these words of what Jesus says. And then we're going we're gonna to do something. I want to leave time at the end of the service just to, to be able to take some time here and, and spend some time in prayer and at Jesus' feet this morning. The bread is life is for all who comes. Whoever comes to Jesus, he says he will receive. And I want you to hear Jesus' words here in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? Rest, rest for your souls. How many of you just say this morning, man, I need some rest. My soul is, is, is worked over. I'm anxious. I've been worrying about things. I'm worried about provisions. Can, can you imagine the Israelites being in the middle of nowhere in the desert, how worried they were for their provision, if they were going to live or die? And God says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to, I'm going to provide for you in ways that you never thought I would provide for you. And God says, take your weary soul, bring it to me, and allow me to bring rest to your soul. You are so worried and so anxious. And how is this going to work out? And how is that going to work out? And what about this? And what about that? You are running around in circles. You're going nowhere fast in a hurry. You see, these words that Jesus gives to these people in, this, in these verses are people who have been burdened because of religion. They've been burdened because of rules and regulations that have been placed upon them that they just could never fulfill. And so religion became a burden to them, not a joy. And see, Jesus says just the opposite. Listen, he didn't say, I've come to bring more religion and more rules and regulations to make you feel more guilty and more condemned about your life. In fact, he goes, I've come to bring you out of that stuff so that you can find life. You see, the purpose of the Sabbath was not so that we could not do this, not do that, not do that. He's, God says, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to pull back from your daily routine and realize that I'm your provider. The reason why God allowed the manna to stay fresh on the Sabbath was to say, you know what? You don't have to work for it. And we run into this Mindset of thinking, if I work seven days a week, 60 hours a week, I'll make more. You know, it doesn't work that way. God says, watch what I do if you just pull back and allow me to work for you and allow me to provide for it. That doesn't mean we shouldn't work. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be faithful. All those things we should be doing, we shouldn't be lazy. But I think sometimes we have this mindset, the more I do, the more I do, the more I do. But what happens is it stresses us out. And God says, I want to give you a day where you can just relax and look to me as your provider to thank me that I'm going to provide for all your needs. That's why I love coming to church on Sunday. It's a day that we can just say, you know what? 
I don't, I don't want to make this legalistic, but let me just say this. It's a day that we say, you know what? This day, I'm going to dedicate to coming and just worshiping you and thanking you for how you provide for us. Thanking you for your goodness. Thanking you, God, that, that, that you're my healer, that, that I can get with other people who have the same problems that I do, that we can pray for each other, that we can worship you, that it's just like-minded people that can just rest in knowing who you are. Man, I love coming to church. I do. I love being around God's people. I love being able to pray with other people and, and just, to, just to exalt God and to worship him. That's what God wants to do. He wants to bring you rest. But we think we're going to find more rest by doing more work. God says, it doesn't work that way. You've got to take time and rest. He says, the only way you can do that is by coming to me. And so here's what he says. Take my yoke upon me. For I am what? I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. I love that. And this is the reason why. Why do we find rest for our souls? He, he, he says, listen, my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. Now, now, catch this. This doesn't mean that we're not going to have burdens in our lives. This doesn't mean you're going to wake up tomorrow and every single thing in your life is going to be easy and we're going to live on easy street. How many know that? If anybody tells you that, just punch them in the throat because that doesn't happen, right? Even for the Christian. But what this does mean, it says, it says, my yoke is actually, the word should be there, fitting. And so what he says is, if you look at the yoke, you have two oxen that are yoked together, right? And we know if one is not pulling its weight, the other is going to be working twice as hard, right? It's going to zap its strength. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. I'm in the yoke with you. And I'm going to walk with you through it. I'm going to be your strength. Jesus says, I'm going to come right alongside you in your busy day, whatever you got going on, whatever stress, whatever health. Put my yoke upon you. It's fitting. It's right. And I'm going to walk with you through it. I'm going to help you through this. Let me share the burden with you. Lay it at my feet. Come and find rest for your souls. And some of you here today, you're stressed out. You're worried about something. You're worried about your kids. You're worried about your job. You're worried about this, that, and other. Some of you here today, and you're just like, man, my, I don't know why my spirit is uneasy. And Jesus says, come. He said, come. What are you waiting for? See, in my mind, I feel like I, I got to figure it all out before I come to Jesus until, I, until he takes me out into the desert and says, okay, Barden, now what are you going to do? I need to come to you. Okay, why didn't you do that a week ago? Because I'm stupid and I'm dumb and I think I'm going to figure it out myself, right? And I'm a, I'm a control freak, whatever it is, God. I think, and God says, listen, listen, I've taken you out into the desert, not so that you would die, so that you would see how I provide and how good I am. So this is what I'm going to say to you today. Is we just, I wanted to end the service early because this is what I want to do. We took communion last week. We're going to take communion again today. It's okay to take communion two weeks in a row. Somebody say amen, right? This is a good thing. Um, we're going to take communion a little differently today. And here's, here's what we have before you. And here's how we're going to take it this morning. We have the bread. And we have the cup. 
And what the bread symbolizes, it symbolizes the body of Christ. Jesus gave everything for us, that he is the bread of life, that he satisfies everything. The cup symbolizes his blood that was given for us so that our sins could be forgiven. Everything is found in Christ. Jesus says, when you partake of me, you find life because I gave my life for you. That's where it starts. And so if you're hurting today, if you're, hung, if you're just hungry today, if your soul needs to be satisfied today, I'm going to tell you to come to Christ. And what we're going to do today, we're going to take communion a little differently. The worship team's just going to lead us in a worship song today. And for those of you that desire to take communion allow this to be part of your worship experience as we close, that you would come down and just take communion yourself. Maybe, maybe you take it with your family and you pray together. Maybe you take it as a couple individually, whatever it is, with a friend that you came with, whatever it may be. But you just take communion on your own today. I'm not going to lead you through it. I'll pray at the end, but I'm not going to lead you. You can just take communion as you desire. But I want it to be something that is meaningful for you today that you're coming and you're saying, Jesus, I need you. And see, what Jesus says is, the reason for communion is during the Last Supper, Jesus says to his disciples, whenever you do this, do this in what? In remembrance of me and what I did for you. And so by taking communion, what we're doing is we're remembering Christ's sacrifice for us, that he gave everything for us that we would find life. And the only place to find that is in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to pray. And then the, the worship team's going to lead us in worship. And then at your leisure, at your leisure, you come and just come and take the elements and you can go back to your seat and worship and take it on your own. Does that make sense? A little bit different. But just do it as part of your worship experience this morning and just allow Christ to minister to you today. So let me pray for you. And uh, let's ask the Lord just to, just to open up, up our hearts today as we ask him just to, to move in our hearts and our lives. Lord, we thank you for being the bread of life. And as we take communion today, we're recognizing that Jesus is everything to us. And I pray for every person here today that's searching, that's, that's hungry, that you would satisfy them today. For every anxious heart here today, I pray that you would bring peace. For every soul here today that feels they're too far away because their sins have separated them, Jesus, I pray that you would draw them close because you've forgiven us of our sins. So I pray that you would bring that healing to every heart here today as we take communion, as we just rest in you. We want to thank you, Jesus. So minister to every individual heart in this place, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, we ask these things. In Jesus' precious name.